So I want to bring to you, just before I open the Word of God, first I want to tell you what joy there has been in my heart to worship with you here. I arrived late yesterday afternoon, and I was especially blessed with the sermon by Elder Larson. I felt like shouting amen many times when he told how if we listen to error, it has something to do in changing our lives. I am working on a sermon that will show how the error of the new theology is changing my church, especially in the magazines and in our literature. I'm going to call it the coming conspiracy, and I trust that many of you will hear this. I had a difficult time in making up my mind whether I should come to this meeting. I have been so busy in working out the tape ministry in which we send a new tape out every two weeks. I need time to study. And uh, I prayed earnestly about coming. And uh, finally, a week ago Wednesday, I got on my knees and I asked the Lord if he wanted me to come here that he would give me a call or a letter that day urging me to come. Two hours later, I went to the post office and there was a airmail letter, special delivery from Elder Grossball's father, in which he told how he had been impressed for a week or more to write a letter and had the letter and hadn't sent it, and now he felt impressed that I ought to come. And I put the two together and I said, Lord, I'll come. It's wonderful to know how the Lord impresses a man. He wanted to send the letter beforehand, but he waited the day before, and then I prayed that morning for a sign, and it came. And so I'm happy to be here. I am deeply concerned this morning about the message that I'm about to bring to you, because I'm afraid it will fill your hearts with fear. However, I trust and I have been praying that the message, rather than fill you with earthly fear, will send you to your knees, that you will prepare for what is coming. I have been preaching for some 56 years, and I have wondered why the things that I'm going to bring you have been hidden from mine eyes until just a few weeks ago. And then I read in the spirit of prophecy that God reveals new truths to us when the time comes that it is needed. It does not change the old truth, but it solidifies for us the truth that we have. In this presentation, it will be based on the divine authority of God as given in the second book of Peter, chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5, and my subject this morning is the coming cataclysmic events. I'm reading from the scripture. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, 
but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Let me pause here to reflect upon those words, and spared not the old world. Here, the apostle is trying to bring to our attention as God impresses him that we are to compare the destruction of the old world by a flood, by the world that now is by a fire, that will happen prior to the appearance of Christ in the second coming. Now with this brief emphasis, let me continue reading from Peter, 2 Peter 3, 9 and 11. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a God. When we see the evils about us today, when we see a world turning its back upon the truth of God, and here we have a God that does not want to destroy, he loves. A God that wants everyone to be saved. What a God. But the day of the Lord, I am told, will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. In the coming end-time destruction as prophesied, God is trying to reveal to us the cataclysmic events in which every element upon which we exist will literally melt around us. And believe me, this is going to happen before Jesus comes, not after the millennium, in which, of course, we know Christ, when he comes the third time, will cleanse the earth. But these things are going to happen before Jesus Christ comes in the clouds of glory. I've heard so many of our saints of late, as they view the disasters that are coming week after week upon this world, I've heard them make the statement, Oh, I wish the Lord would come and put an end to this mess. And of course, you sort of respond, uh, you feel the same way. But when you think things through, seriously now, do we really understand what is to take place before Jesus Christ comes in the clouds? Let me put it this way. Do we realize what is required of each of us to live amid the coming conditions that are going to come upon this world prior to the second coming? Now, before you arrive at any conclusions, I would like to give you my personal appraisal. After spending hours in preparation for this sermon, I have come to a conclusion that maybe, just maybe, it will be far better 
to ask the Lord to let some of us go to sleep in his grace, having obtained a character that is fit for heaven, rather than to be alive during the coming cataclysmic destruction that is to take place before Jesus comes. And remember, those that fall asleep will have nothing to lose because there will be a special resurrection of all those that have died faithful in the third angel's message. They will be brought out of their tombs and will see Jesus Christ come. Now consider this third angel's message with me. As you read, you find that it tells of the wrath of God being poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation with fire and with brimstone. And as your mind begins to comprehend, suddenly you hear God's voice in the next verse say, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Now why in the world would God break in with these kind of words when he's talking about the coming destruction? Because he knows the tremendous upheaval that is going to take place in this earth. There are going to be three agencies, each determined to destroy this world. First, there is God, who is going to destroy the world with his divine arsenal. Secondly, evil men will add to the destruction with massive weapons of atomic destruction. And third, the devil and his angels will also use every means within their power to bring about complete destruction. Three powers committed to the destruction of this world. Never in the history of this world has such a thing ever taken place. Listen carefully this morning as we study texts and quotations and you discover whether I have come to the right decision when I said, maybe, just maybe, for those of us who are older, just maybe it will be better for us to fall asleep in the grace of Jesus, having attained a character that is fit for heaven rather than to be alive during the cataclysmic events soon to take place. First of all, the scripture teaches and the spirit of prophecy confirms that we are to compare the end with the day of Noah. Remember the words of Jesus, Matthew 24, 37, for as in the days of Noah, so... Now, during the destruction of the world by the flood, I think many of us have forgotten the tremendous convulsions that took place in this earth. They were exceedingly great. When you think that the catastrophe was so great that it caused this earth a ball 25,000 miles in circumference to go out of balance 
23 degrees. I want to tell you something really happened in this world during the flood. Even the astronomers today have never found another planet, another ball out in space that is off its balance in one iota. And yet our Earth is 23 degrees off of its balance. Perhaps you should use with me your imagination this morning to realize what happened when this ball was covered with a flood of water. If you can use your imaginations, watch with me uh, that out of these waters arose the Rocky Mountains in what we now know as the United States of America. Watch with me as the Swift, Swift, Swiss Alps head for the heavens as Europe emerges out of the waters. Watch with me as Mount Everest points its fingers up toward the sky as it pushes higher and higher. No wonder this earth was in convulsions. And then look at the ends of this world as it freezes up with its ice caps. Look at the magnificent forests of trees that are many times taller than anything we have ever seen today as they are buried, producing the great coal and oil fields in our earth. I shall never forget as I rode in a plane some 30,000 feet high, looking down on the Persian Gulf on my way to India one night about midnight. Far below I saw, 30 th I saw thousands of oil wells burning the gases from the man-made vents from the oil pools beneath the Persian Gulf. It was a sight I shall never forget. They tell me of great oil fields such as in Nova Scotia and coal fields, so vast, so great, that that one field in Nova Scotia, that coal field has enough energy there today stored that could serve the world for 35 years, supply every need of the entire world. No wonder the world has never been the same since the great convulsions of the flood. Oh, we still have earthquakes that shake our soil. Occasionally, volcanoes erupt, and the ash hides the sun from our sight. But Peter tells us of a greater catastrophe soon to come. Second Peter 3.10 But of the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. Before we get into that, let me read to you what I found in early writings, page 41. Wars, rumors of war, Sword, famine, and pestilence are first to shake the powers of this earth. Then the voice of God will shake the sun, moon, and stars, and this earth also. I continue reading. December 16, 1848, the Lord gave me a view of the shaking of the powers of heaven. I saw that when the Lord said, Heaven, 
in giving the signs recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He meant the heaven. And when he said the earth, he meant the earth. The powers of heaven are the sun, moon, and stars. They rule in the heavens. The power of earth are those that rule on the earth. The powers of heaven will be shaken at the voice of God. The sun, moon, and stars will be moved out of their places. I tell you, we have no idea of what is going to actually happen. Speaking of the dark day, the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, I read the signs in the sun, moon, and stars have been fulfilled. Since that time, earthquakes, tempests, tidal waves, pestilence, and famines have multiplied. The most awful destructions by fire and flood are following one another in quick succession. The terrible disasters that are taking place from week to week speak to us in earnest tones of warning, declaring that the end is near, that something great and decisive will soon of necessity take place. That's from the Watchman 12109. Now, in the book, The Upward Look, page 261, are these words. In the day of his coming, the last great trumpet is heard. There is a terrible shaking of this earth and heaven. The whole earth, from the loftiest mountains to the deepest mines, will hear. Everything, notice, Everything will be penetrated by fire. The tainted atmosphere will be cleansed by fire. And I'm going to read to you that this will happen before Jesus appears. Now, let's pause here in this quotation and consider what is meant by the tainted atmosphere that is to be cleansed by fire. What is there in the atmosphere that will burn? Consider <clears throat> the deadly smog with the millions of pounds of deadly chemical pollutants that are in our atmosphere today. So deadly that when it rains, acid rain is destroying millions of square miles of forest vegetation here and abroad. Think of the deadly gases manufactured and used in war to destroy every living thing. And what of the bacterial germs being bred by man to fill the air with literal death? And what about the junk metal out in space circling the earth in orbit? placed there by the United States and Russia and other nations. All this is to be cleansed by fire before he comes. Let me read on. The fire having fulfilled its mission. No question about it. The dead have been laid away in the graves will come forth. When? After the fire does its part. 
some to the resurrection of life, that's the special resurrection, to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and some to behold the coming of him whom they have despised and whom they now recognize as the judge of all the earth. Now it's made very clear that this cleansing by fire takes place before Jesus Christ comes. How simple it will be for God to rearrange the elements that are in the atmosphere, the air we breathe, to explode and pass away with a great noise. Now, naturally, when your mind begins to conceive of everything in this world being cleansed by fire, you wonder, will there be any righteous person left to behold the second coming in the clouds? Well, here is our answer. I'm reading on from the same book, page 261. All of the righteous are untouched by the flames. Praise God. They can walk through the fire. Now catch this in your mind. They walked through the fire as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked in the midst of the furnace, heated several times hotter than it was wont to be heated. So, in the day of the coming of the Lord, smoke and flame will be powerless to harm the righteous. Oh, what a God we have. Praise his name. Those who are united with the Lord will escape unscathed the earthquakes, hurricanes, flames, and flood cannot injure those who are prepared to meet their Savior in peace. But those who reject the Savior and scourged and crucified him will be among those who will be raised from the dead to behold his coming in the clouds of heaven, attended by the heavenly host. Ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Praise God, he has a plan. A plan to protect and to keep the saved. But wait a minute, Brother Nelson, you say. Are you positive that these cataclysmic events will all happen before Jesus Christ appears? such as the cleansing of heaven by fire, by the total destruction of everything on this earth, by earthquakes, volcanoes, eruptions, and hurricanes and fires? Yes, absolutely. The catastrophe will be so great that Isaiah the prophet was given a vision of this earth and he talked about it as this earth reeling to and fro like a drunkard. Now, I've traveled almost all around this world in my work with the General Conference, and I've seen many a drunk, more than you have ever seen, I'm certain. I've watched them as they stumble down, and the only thing that keeps them up is they hit against the building or the lamppost, and then finally they topple over into the gutter. Here is a picture, Isaiah says, in Isaiah 24, 20, the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard. And under inspiration, P. 
Peter says further in the third chapter, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. God is speaking of the very elements, the minerals upon which this earth is composed. The rocks are going to melt with fervent heat. And then he adds, and the works of man will be burned up. Now that includes the thousands of cities scattered on the face of this earth with their massive skyscrapers, the bridges and the highways, together with the millions and millions of automobiles and airplanes and Sputniks and satellites. Everything that is man-made is going to be burned up before he comes. Remember, this is not a description of what will happen at the close of the millennium. This will happen prior to the second coming. Beloved, when the Bible speaks thus, you can be sure the destruction will be a reality, whether we are ready or not. Did you ever note how specific God has been, how exact he tells us about these things that will happen? Revelation 16, verse 20. Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Now these two tremendous statements, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. I dare say today in our imagination, it's almost impossible to visualize it. That means that Japan, the Hawaiian Islands, Cyprus, Greenland, Iceland, the British Isles, the Philippines, and thousands and thousands of smaller items will all disappear beneath the surface of this earth. I want to tell you when that happens, no Richter scale will be able to tell you the amount of force, for it would be millions of times stronger than anything we have ever known today. And the same text says the mountains were not found. Can you conceive of the great chain of mountains in North America down through South America, from pole to pole, suddenly they are no more? No wonder inspiration declares this earth's surface will move up and down fluid-like, like the great ocean. And I've been out in some mighty storms when you will look to see another ship and suddenly you will see it way up there on the peak of a great amount of water and then suddenly it disappears in the trough. So this earth will convulse like the ocean. Think how Europe will shake as the mighty Alps go crashing out of sight. In great controversy 636, the voice shakes the heavens and the earth. There is a mighty earthquake, such as was not since men were upon this earth so mighty an earthquake. The firmament appears to open and shut. 
the glory from the throne of God seems flashing through. The mountains shake like reeds in the wind, and ragged rocks are scattered on every side. There is a roar of a coming tempest. The sea is lashed into fury. There is heard the shriek of the hurricane, like the voice of demons upon a mission of destruction. The whole earth heaves and swells like the waves of the sea. Its surface is breaking up. Its very foundations seem to be giving way. The seaports that have become like Sodom for wickedness are swallowed up by the angry waters. In Evangelism, page 29, Oh, that God's people had a sense of the impending destruction of thousands of cities, now almost given to idolatry. In Manuscript 24, 1891, page 2 and on, terrible shocks will come upon the earth. The lordly palaces erected at great expense will certainly become heaps of ruin. The earth's crust will be rent by the outburst of elements concealed in the bowels of the earth. These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures. There is no question about it. The coastal cities with all the others will disappear with the islands as earthquakes come with their huge tidal waves. Now the question. When will these final catastrophes start? They will begin as the Sabbath day Sunday issue becomes universal. Bible Commentary 7, page 980. The substitution of the false for the true is the last act in the drama. When this substitution becomes universal, God will reveal himself. When the laws of men are exalted above the laws of God, when the power of this earth try to force men to keep the first day of the week, know that the time has come for God to work. He will arise in his majesty and will shake terribly the earth. He will come out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the world for their iniquity. Do you realize when these substitutions of man become universal that God is going to arise and terribly shake this earth with these cataclysmic events? And what do you suppose is going to happen? You guessed it. There will be a cry from those who are not of God for these disasters to stop. And the papacy, who will then be the one world new ruler, will say that these catastrophes are caused by the deserters, those who will not accept the mark of the beast. And the people who will rise in such protest that a decree will be given to destroy every Advent believer 
from the face of the earth. And God will answer with seven last plagues. And there will be no respite from then on until Jesus comes. In manuscript 122, 1899, page 5, the world is soon to be left by the angel of mercy. What a picture. You know, the reason God hasn't destroyed the world today is the same reason that when he looked down at Sodom, there was still Lot. And old Abraham knew that if there was a handful there, God wouldn't destroy. And that's the reason God hasn't destroyed this world. The world is soon to be left by the angel of mercy. And the seven last plagues are to be poured out. The storm is gathering. The bolts of God's wrath are soon to fall. And when he shall begin to punish, there will be no period of respite until the end. Once it starts, it will come to a conclusion. I read on. He shall come forth to punish the inhabitants of the world for their iniquity. The earth shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slant. Only those stand who are sanctified through truth in the love of God. They will be hid with God until the desolation shall be overpassed. Thank God, another promise. If we are sanctified by the truth. And there's something else I discovered, and notice this. While God's probation has closed for the nations, yet probation has not closed for those who have not had an opportunity to learn what truth is. I never knew that before. Here we have another picture of the great mercy of God. There are some that have never heard. They have never been told. And here is a God that is not willing that any should perish. And so, as these great catastrophes are coming, God is giving these an opportunity. Let me read it to you. In quick succession, the judgments of God will follow one another. Fire, flood, earthquake, war, and bloodshed. The time of God's destructive judgments is the time of mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn of the truth. What a God! I want to tell you, we have a God that's not willing that any should perish. And if any of you are not in the kingdom, my dear brothers and sisters, it will not be because God and the Holy Spirit and the angels and Jesus Christ, all heaven has done everything they can do for you. God is not willing that any of us should perish. This is a time of mercy for those who have had no opportunity to learn what is truth. Tenderly will the Lord look upon them. His heart of mercy is touched. His hand is still stretched out to save. While the door is closed to those who would not enter. 
What a picture. What a God we have. Did you notice those words, and there will also be war? Don't think for a moment that the nations will not use the nuclear methods of destruction that they now have within their power. As the angels let loose of the four winds, man will literally attempt to destroy the earth with atomic warfare. I was amazed just a couple of weeks ago, and perhaps some of you were watching too, that which we call 60 Minutes on CBS, and there that newscaster, the only one in all the world who has ever been permitted to go behind the scenes in Russia, and there he told us that there is today a thousand atomic weapons all pointed at the cities in the United States. All is needed is to push the button. And don't think when the end comes that man will not push the button. Notice what it says in Revelations 11:18, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come. And it says that thou shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Bible prophets beheld these terrible scenes of armies engaged in battle, of men's hearts failing them for fear. They saw the earth moved out of its place. They saw the mountains carried into the midst of the sea. They saw every island it could not be found, but we must remember that God will protect his believers during this terrible convulsion preceding the advent. In letter 248, 1907, page 24, before, notice that word, before the Son of Man appears in the clouds of heaven, Everything in nature will be convulsed. Lightning from heaven, uniting with fire in the earth, will cause the mountains to burn like a furnace and pour out their floods of lava over villages and cities. Molten masses of rocks will cause the water to boil, and they will send forth rocks and earth. There will be mighty earthquakes and a great destruction of human life. But in the day of the great deluge, Noah was preserved in the ark that God had prepared. So, in these last days of destruction and calamity, God will be a refuge to his believing one. Praise God. We have assurance after assurance, and we read it in the Scripture. A thousand, I'm reading Psalms 91, 7. A thousand shall fall at thy right hand. Ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Beloved, when probation closes and God's people are sealed, atomic bombs may explode right over your head, but you will be kept safe in the cocoon of God's love.
you will be protected. His mighty angels will spread themselves about you. Only with your eyes shall you behold the reward of the wicked. What a day. But not only will God's wrath be poured out on the wicked, Satan will join in manifesting his vengeance. Listen to this alarming statement in Great Controversy 614. Satan will then plunge the inhabitants of the earth into one great final trouble. As the angels of God cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion, all the elements of strife will be let loose. The whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem of old. Reading on, the same destructive power exercised by holy angels when God commands will be exercised by evil angels when he permits. There are forces now ready and only waiting divine permission to spread desolation everywhere. Recently I was reading in Great Controversy 33 about the destruction of Jerusalem in which we were told that blood flowed down the temple steps like water. The city was completely destroyed and leveled. Once more, let me energize your thinking. Inspiration tries to picture these cataclysmic events in Great Controversy 622. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality. But this is not true of the crisis before us. The most vivid presentations cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. You know, I trembled when I thought of presenting this message to you today that it would bring so much fear into your heart. And then I read that Ellen White, as she wrote these things, had the same feeling. Listen as she speaks. And this is from Christian Experience and Views, page 52. Terror seized me, Ellen said. <clears throat> I fell upon my face before the angel and begged him to cause the sight to be removed, to hide it from me, for the sight was too dreadful. Then I realized as never before the importance of searching the word of God carefully to know how to escape the plagues that are declared in the word that should come upon all the ungodly who shall worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. It was a great wonder to me that anyone could transgress the law of God and tread down his holy Sabbath when such awful threatenings and denunciations are against them. This is a time when we ought to be giving the three angels' message with power as never before. Actually, 
the earth will be finally depopulated. I read in Jeremiah 4:23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form, and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled. Talking about this in Maranatha, page 306, at the coming of Christ, the wicked are blotted from the face of the whole earth, consumed with the spirit of his mouth and destroyed by the brightness of his glory. God takes his people to the city of God and the earth is emptied of its inhabitants. The land shall be utterly emptied, utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken it. Why? Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they shall dwell therein are desolate. The whole earth appears like a desolate wilderness. The ruins of cities and villages destroyed by the earthquake, uprooted trees, ragged rocks, thrown out by the sea or torn out of the earth itself are scattered over its surface. And notice this. Vast caverns mark the spot where the mountains have been rent from their foundation. Can you picture as I looked out this morning and looked up here at Mount Shasta? That great mountain moved and there is nothing but a great cavern talk about cataclysmic events? As you have digested these God-given descriptions that are shortly to come to pass, I doubt if any thinking person here this morning of my age, and I shall be 80 tomorrow, I do not believe that any of you will pray that prayer, Lord, come soon and take us out of this mess. But rather, I think our prayer should be, Lord, prepare me for what is coming, that I may be able to claim thy divine protection and claim those promises by attaining perfection of character so that I may meet thee unafraid when you appear. In closing, let me zero in on Christ's actual coming after beholding blood and death and destruction on every hand, with desolation and annihilation in every conceivable part of this old earth. Can you picture with me what it will be like for a remnant? a small remnant, a very small remnant, will be among those who will be there standing and looking up and saying, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. To hear the angelic music, to see the angels, millions upon millions, to see the face of Jesus, 
filled with that love, knowing that he has come to save us. And there is the rainbow. I'm sure we will say this is our God and he will save us. And as you are borne away with those angelic angels, I think you will look over your shoulder and you will look back to this earth and you will see that it is fit only for the devil and his angels who are going to dwell there for a thousand years. And you will shout with a mighty shout, Hallelujah, heaven is cheap enough. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to be there. He is not willing that any should perish. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, may we not be filled with fear as we see what is coming. May our hearts be not set on the things of this earth, but rather, God, help us today to reach out and to pray on our knees as never before, day after day, for a preparation that will fit us to live with divine protection during the terrible things that are soon to come. Oh God, help us to believe what you have said in the Bible and through thy servant and to live so that we may have characters like thine is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.